Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and today I want to talk about the all-sufficient God from the book of Zephaniah. That's back there where the pages are white and still stuck together. We're going to pull out a verse of scripture that's applicable to every generation, including ours. God will take care of us no matter how bad the situation looks. That's exciting. Let's go to the Word of God. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Glad to have you here today. I want you to turn with me to the book of Zephaniah. You might have to look back there in your in your you know notes and uh, find the inside. Uh, find the list of books in the Old Testament, find Zephaniah. But we're going to turn to Zephaniah chapter three today. We're going to take a look at verses 17 through 20. And what I'm offering today is my five CD series on the book of Zephaniah. So guess what? If you have this, you're going to probably have something that 99% of Christians don't have, something on the book of Zephaniah. And when you get to heaven, you're going to meet Zephaniah. I said, listen, I've got, all I get is no's all the time. Have you ever read my book? You can go, not only read it, I studied it. He's probably going to give you a big hug and tell you thank you because he's probably one of those forgotten, lonely guys over in a corner somewhere because who's even heard of Zephaniah? And so again, look it up, find it. And today we're going to take an excerpt out of it. And then I want you to be sure and get yourself a copy of these five CDs. And that'll be the order uh, that you can have at halftime. We'll come on and tell you how that you can order those for yourself. And I'm glad that you're joining with us today. All of you joining for the first time, hello, welcome. Glad that you're here. And for the rest of you who've been watching a number of times, or those real gluttons for punishment that just love me and have been watching now for a number of years. Thank you for being here. And I can tell you this, you're going to leave from this broadcast a little smarter than when you came into it because I'm a teacher of the Word of God. And so Zephaniah chapter 3, I'm going to talk about today the all-sufficient God. You say, yeah, but Zephaniah's Old Testament. I don't read the Old Testament. I don't study the Old Testament because that's the law. The law in general can refer to the whole of the Old Testament, but the law specifically refers to a time period from uh, Moses to the cross of which the law was in effect. But listen, never for salvation. And the reason why it was in effect is Israel requested it. Moses didn't want to give it. God didn't want to give it. But the people said, no, no, God, just give us your law law, we can keep it. He said, here's 10, try to keep those. And after that, he just kept adding to it, adding to it, and they couldn't keep it. Understand from the time of Adam till the time of Abraham was literally the times of the Gentiles. And uh, what happened with Abraham was he started the times of the Jews. And even he, from uh, Abraham till the time Moses came along, was still not under the law. The law didn't begin until the time the law was given under Moses. Here's the point, though. The law never saved anybody. There is so much in the Old Testament for you. The Bible says you were built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The apostles are those who wrote the New Testament. The prophets are those who wrote the Old Testament. And Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, uniting the Old Testament with the New Testament. And he unites the two together. We are built on the foundation of the Old Testament and the New Testament. The reason why Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, uniting those two walls together, is because the Old Testament pointed to him yet to come, and the New Testament points to him as the one who did come. We look back to the work of the 
cross, the Old Testament, look forward to the work of the cross. And they can say in, in the book of Isaiah chapter nine and verse six, unto us, a child is born, unto us, a son is given. And in chapter 53, even prophesy of him going to the cross and still say it was for them because the work of the cross went in both directions with two hands stretched out on the cross, one toward the Old Testament and one toward all that were yet to come. Jesus Christ died for every person, every sin ever committed, every person who never lived and was about to live. And so they look forward to him. We look back to him, but that's the work of the cross. How many times in the New Testament did they quote the Old Testament? Paul did it. Peter did it. John did it. Jesus did it so many times and talked about how that's been fulfilled. The point of it is the Old Testament has so much to say to you. And here's one of them in Zephaniah chapter three. If you want to find out how to get saved in the Old Testament, you didn't look to the law because even Moses said it wouldn't save you. It's works. It never would save you. But the law pointed to the one that could save us and sacrifices pointed to Jesus Christ. Everything about the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The law couldn't save us, but it could bring us to the one that could save us. And we're told in chapter four of the book of Romans of two individuals specifically pulled out of the Old Testament and talked about the first one's Abraham. Guess how Abraham was saved? Abraham had faith in the Lord. It was accounted him for right. Yeah, but he was before the law. The next one right after him was David during the law. And David said, happy is the man whom the Lord imputes not his trespasses against him. Both were found in chapter four of Romans and both, one before the law, one during the law, were saved by faith. How are we saved? We're saved by faith. You know what that tells us? Before, during, and after the law, the means of salvation has never, ever changed. The means of teaching how we were saved has changed, but not the actual way that we are saved. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. He came to give his life for us. All that to tell you, let's take a look at Zephaniah chapter three, because verses 17 through 20 speaks to us as well as everybody. The Lord your God in your midst the mighty one will save. This is not just talking about salvation to go to heaven. This is salvation out of the problems of life. Deliverance from every oppression, deliverance from every demon, deliverance from every problem that comes along. Jesus Christ has always been the means of us walking in victory. Notice this, he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Guess what? That word singing is a poor translation. He will rejoice over you with dancing. God dances over you and notice how he does it. It says he does it by rejoicing over us. He has gladness over us. And now he even dances over us in heaven. And in verse 18, I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly who are among you to whom his reproach is a burden. Behold, at that time, I will deal with you and all that afflict you. I will save the lame, gather those who were driven out. I will point them for praise and fame in every land where they were put to shame. At that time, I will bring you back, even at the time I gather you, for I will give you fame and praise among all the people of the earth when I return your captives before your eyes, says the Lord. This is speaking to Israel specifically about the time that Jesus Christ will come back to this earth and rule and reign for a thousand years at his millennial reign. But you know what? It speaks to us also that, listen, our deliverance might be by the end of this week with some problem we've been going through for days, for months, or even for years 
years. There's times I've gone through problems that lasted for months. I kept thinking, ah, is it ever going to come to an end? And it did. This same God that was rejoicing over them was dancing over me in heaven when I simply trusted his promise. God doesn't start dancing when the problem is finished. God starts dancing when I trust him. You know what? I should do the same thing too, because I usually don't start dancing and shouting until the money comes through or the healing comes through or the deliverance comes through. Really, you should start dancing and rejoicing the moment you trust in God because you know why? Things have been set in motion at that time and your deliverance is on the way. It might take a few months. It might even take a year or two, but you know what? Just keep dancing, keep rejoicing, insult the devil to his face and thank God for what God is doing in your life and against the circumstances of your life. Again, although this is addressed to Israel and refers to their future deliverance, it applies to believers of every age, including today, the church age that we live in. The Lord will deliver you in your midst. He will deliver you among the people. He can single you out in the midst of a lot of people that are not trusting him. And he will tra- He'll bypass a million people not believing him and look for one person that has their faith set on him. And he will deliver you as he did David from Goliath, as he did the armies of uh, the Old Testament when they came to the promised land to deliver them small armies against huge armies. And God delivered them every single time. He'll do the same for you. Because you know who my leader is? is the captain of the host of heaven. All the angels follow after the captain and the captain is the Lord Jesus Christ and they are on my side, not on the devil's side. In fact, those are the troops that defeated Satan once and for all and rose from the dead, Jesus did, and became the conqueror and now has given himself over to the church. He is our deliverer and he promised he would never leave us and he would never forsake us. There is no deliverance from God that is no deliverance at all. With him all all things are possible. Without him, we can do nothing, but with him, we can do all things. It's sad. We often have to learn things for ourselves and usually don't listen to others who have gone through the same problems that are trying to warn us. Why am I saying that? Because the Bible is filled with testimony after testimony after testimony. The Bible tells us about Noah. The Bible tells us about Enoch. The Bible tells us about others after that. Uh, Abraham and Sarah and Moses and later on after him, Joshua in the promised land and the the list keeps going on. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we have one after another of heroes with faith attached to them and what had happened for them. And they become simply our testimonies. Our testimony doesn't necessarily have to be somebody in our time period or generation, but that's all right. You want to find some extreme things? Go back to the Old Testament. When's the last time you needed an ocean split in front of you? Never, but God did it in the Old Testament. When's the last time God would save you and and your family and destroy everyone in the world, but leave you alive? It happened in the Old Testament. And if it has to happen again, again, God can do it. When's the last time you had a wall standing in front of you that needed to come down so you could march in and take your possessions? He did it at Jericho and the wall came straight down, went straight into the ground to where the children of Israel walked straight in. Don't you know that was some kind of sight? When's the last time you needed to be swallowed by a whale? But you know what had happened? And whenever Jonah was spit out, he was spit out in the very place he needed to start that revival. This is God always taking care of people, always delivering them, and he will do the same for us. And the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. The Jesus Christ of the Old Testament is even greater in the New Testament. So if he did that for them, guess what he'll do for you? More and more and more. 
God does not want us to have this attitude. I'll learn it by myself or for myself. He wants us to take the warnings and listen to him and avoid the problems of life and look at the word of God and realize something. God has done more for me than he ever did for David. Jesus Christ has done far more for me than he ever did for Moses. In fact, Moses and David would love to trade places with us today just to be alive in this time period where Jesus Christ has died and shed his blood and poured out for us all the blessings of the New Testament. Our deliverance is in us when we are born again. And then it comes by also studying the word of God and understanding and putting faith in what God has promised. He's on the inside dwelling in each one of us, as well as in the church, the collection of believers. And all people do not have God's presence, the Holy Spirit in them, but those who have received Jesus as Lord and Savior. I trust you have received Jesus. I trust you put your faith in him because once you do, you're standing in line for supernatural deliverance. And just like God can save you from all of your sin and give you eternal life. He can deliver you from the daily problems. If you've never received Jesus, just open up your heart and say, Father, I've blown it. I have made a mess in my life, but I know you're able to turn it around. I give my life to you and I want Jesus to sit on the throne of my life. He's not only my savior, I accept him as my Lord and you have just entered eternal life. Write me and let me know about that. I'd love to hear from you. We'll be back right after halftime and continue at this point. In this five-part series, Pastor Bob Yandian teaches verse by verse through the book of Zephaniah. Zephaniah the prophet's message of judgment and encouragement has three main doctrines. One, God is sovereign over all nations. Two, the wicked will be punished and the righteous will be vindicated. And three, God blesses those who repent and trust in him. His message of judgment of the wicked and hope for the faithful could easily be preached to the church today. We have the freedom to disobey God but we do not have the freedom to escape the consequences of disobedience. Zephaniah reminds us that God is grieved when we sin, and although punishment is painful, its purpose is not retribution, but redemption. These five messages include an introduction to God's plan, worshiping on the rooftop, signs from all directions, the God of the whole world, and a view to the future. To order the book of Zephaniah, visit our website at bobyandian.com. If you don't know God's will for your life, you can find yourself in a wilderness of confusion. Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? Which church should I be in? And how do I even know when I've found His will? Or when it seems that you have actually found God's will, the question arises, is this really God's will or just my own personal desire? The answer to finding God's will is to let His will find you. In this small but powerful little book, Bob Yandian answers all these seemingly complex questions with clear and simple biblical instruction and makes finding God's will for your life an easy task. To order Let God's Will Find You, visit the online bookstore at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership.
Jesus Christ lives in his temple. We are the temple of Jesus Christ. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus Christ also in us and with all believers lives inside of his church. And all believers put together worldwide form the church. We then come and have individual local churches. I attend a church, I have a pastor. And so by doing that, that's my church. But you know what? We often just get this idea, this is my church. No, your church actually is the entire world and all churches meeting at that time, but also all believers who may not be able to get to a church, who live somewhere where there is no church and they're having a, a fellowship of believers together. That is also the church. First Corinthians chapter 12 says that no one who has the spirit of God inside of him calls Jesus cursed. The Pharisees called him cursed, proving they didn't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. And so what God is simply saying is the moment you put your faith and trust in him, Jesus comes to live inside of you. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. You become the temple of the Holy Spirit because he puts his treasure in an earthen vessel and your body is the earthen vessel. On top of that, he puts us inside of the church, the worldwide body of Christ, everywhere that forms the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why am I saying this? With all that, how can you possibly lose? If God be for you, who can be against you? The entire Godhead literally dwells inside of Jesus and Jesus dwells inside of us. So guess what? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all inside of us because we have Jesus Christ living in us. The Father is pleased to place all of this on the inside of us. And that's found in Colossians chapter one and verse 19 and Colossians chapter two and verse nine. We have something so valuable, we have no idea of the value of it. The Bible says that God has placed this treasure again inside of earthen vessels. The treasure is the Holy Spirit, the new birth, the presence of Jesus Christ, eternal life dwells on the inside of me. The Holy Spirit lives there. My guidance comes from there. The Holy Spirit speaks to me from there. And I am guided by the spiritual part of me. That is the part where the Holy Spirit lives. I'm also guided by the word of God I take in on the inside of me, but that goes to my soul. The Bible tells us that real growth in the Christian life comes by the renewing of the mind. To For me, it's to get rid of the mind of Bob that I had for so many years and now replace it with the mind of Christ. And that comes by studying God's word. Not only can, God, can the Holy Spirit just simply bring a verse up from the inside of you, he can remind you of scriptures that's up here in your thought process that you put in your memory, and he can bring all things back to your remembrance. This is why it's so important to study the word of God, to renew your mind to the word of God, to where when you run into a problem, your first answer is not, I can handle this myself. Although that does come at times, shake it off, rethink it, and let the Holy Spirit go and search that big computer called your brain and come back there and retrieve what you need and pull a scripture out. How do I know that I'm growing up in the things of God? Whenever you face a problem, if a scripture comes to your mind, that is growth, that's spiritual growth. I heard somebody say one time, you know what? I was trusting in God and I asked, I asked the Holy Spirit for some guidance. I asked the Holy Spirit to show me what to do and all I got was scripture. 
Well, that is the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. And Jesus said, my word is truth. So the major way, probably 95% of the way the Holy Spirit guides you is by taking you to the word of God. He'll bring those scriptures to your remembrance. And standing on a scripture is just as powerful as if the Holy Spirit came and gave you a vision of heaven and a vision of what he's gonna pull you out of and a vision of what you're gonna be on the outside and the end of this problem. It's just that way in the word of God. The verses we read back there, opening this this particular lesson in Zephaniah, it simply says that God's already dancing and rejoicing over us. Why don't we start doing it now? He's dancing, rejoicing over me, and I haven't even yet come out of the problem. That's why it's so interesting in the Old Testament, Israel, when they came to the time when they left Egypt and got on the other side, they rejoiced whenever the problems were done. And Moses kept trying to get them to rejoice in the power of the word now. And so the same thing happens to us. We have been given exceeding great and precious promises that by these, we can become partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. This is what God has for us. If we were to be asked how much money we have in our wallet, we probably wouldn't know. We'd have to pull it out and count it. We have so much value in the protection of Jesus. We have so much currency found in the word of God. We have no idea what's inside of us. If you've gone to church for a number of years, if you've gone to church for one year, if you're faithful to go, if you're faithful to study, I'm telling you, your spiritual wallet is getting thick. And right now you start thinking about, well, I don't know if I've got enough to handle everything. You've got some general promises that'll pull you out of anything. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, David said, or his seed begging bread. It looks like around us, we're gonna be begging bread. It looks like there's gonna be shortages of food and shortages of everything, but I'm here to let you know God will never let you down and you'll never see your children begging bread. This is what David told us. All I'm saying is the God that supplied for Israel in the wilderness can supply for you today because God hasn't lost his recipe for manna. He can still make it. This is the God who takes care of us. And throughout the word of God, I mean, here was the famine coming into the land. There was no rain coming. And Elijah went to a mountain and God said, sent ravens to him every day and brought him food. And there was a water that was trickling through there that he could drink from. And we serve the same God and ravens haven't forgot how to hear the voice of God and take the food exactly where it needs to be to your house. That's the word. You know, when Jesus was there on that mountain and preaching the Sermon on the Mount, the people that surrounded him, to give them ideas, he said, look at the, look around you. See the, the flowers of the field? And they looked around, there was flowers. As far as they could see, there was flowers. He just simply used things around them. You don't have to go find weird things or something way out a long way and then travel somewhere to finally get an understanding of God. Just look out your window. Look at the grass, look at the flowers. And he said this, the flowers are so beautiful. Even Solomon with all his wealth couldn't look as good as a flower and God takes care of flowers. Here's the thing. If God takes care of flowers, he'll take care of you. Well, what does that mean? It simply means he didn't die for flowers, but he died for you. If he'll take care of things he didn't die for and care for them, won't he take care of you? He shed his blood for you, not for flowers. He next of all said, look up, see the birds? He said, the birds don't have to go out and look for food and stuff. He said, it's always there. If I can feed the birds of the air, he says, I can feed you, oh, you of little faith. What he's simply saying is just have a little faith in me. I've always taken care of the birds. Did you know the birds never knew we had a great depression? 
They flew over it every day. They probably looked down, saw those lines down there, people standing in bread lines and went, what's going on? Don't know. But they flew right over it and they always found, always found their food. The thing of it is, it's been the same thing. Birds never knew we had a great depression because God took care of them. God can take care of you in the worst of man's depressions. He said in the midst of famine, he will have no, he'll have food for you and there'll be no lack in that time period. God's word, God's Holy Spirit, God's love and God's protection over us cannot even be calculated. It is so huge. We have so much value in the protection of Jesus and we have no knowledge of it. Our wallet is full. Sometimes stop and try to think of every scripture that you know. Think about it for just a moment. After a while, I mean, you'll just have to stop. You'll keep thinking there's so much more and I can't even think of it right now. Because why? There's more value in the word of God stored inside of you than you even have any idea of. So begin to trust him. We cannot allow ourselves to be taken in by the world and by its thought process because all they see is the bad news coming. And oftentimes Christians get caught up in that. All we see is the bad things coming and we don't ever realize that God's going to bring us out of this, even though he promised he would, we get our eyes off the promise of God. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verses three through six says this, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. You have a natural human body, but you don't fight Satan with your natural human body. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That's fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down reasonings and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So cast down your reasonings and your reasonings usually lead you to, what am I gonna do? Uh, look at what's happening in the rest of the world. It's gonna happen to me also. Look, if those problems come to your door, you have a different answer than everybody else does. So cast down your high thinking, cast down your reasoning and start bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is the obedience of the promises of God. The Lord rejoices over us with singing, with joy and with dancing. Like a mother who loves her baby and thinks it's the most beautiful child on earth, that's what God thinks of us. The moment we're born again, God wants to post pictures of us in heaven. Look at this beautiful child just born to me. God loves us more than any natural mother or any natural father can. He dances over us with singing and with joy. God is our warrior. It doesn't matter how bad the situation is that we're going through. God is always more powerful greater than our problems. And God promised us victory here in Zephaniah. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He not only has given us victory, but always will give us victory. Quit looking toward the future and think, what am I going to do? Think of the past and what God has always done. Forget not all his benefits. One of the greatest assets to deliverance is to use your memory of what God has done in the past and realize if he's done that. In fact, what you're facing now can be eclipsed by some of the things that God did for you in the past. And if you'll just keep your trust in him, understand you're going to stand in victory on this side. You'll be standing. Goliath will be dead and you'll cut his head off. That's the beauty of what God has promised us. Satan throws big problems at us, but we need to see our victory is always bigger than what Satan has planned. If God is for us, who can be against us? I like to think of it this way. If God is for us, who in hell can be against us? Demons can't be. The very forces of hell cannot prevail against the church of God. Is this the one who deceived the nations? That's what they're going to say over Satan. This has told us in the Old Testament that when Satan is finally cast into hell, 
all the other kings that are there before are going to say, this is him. We thought he was some huge thing. We thought he was some complex being. And look at him. He's exposed in front of the world as nothing that he just deceived us. Deception is his greatest power. We think he's big, he's small. We think he's powerful, he's weak compared to Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. But oftentimes we're the two spies that brought back a good report. We need to be because the other 10 spies are bringing back a bad report. We are often so small in comparison to the people that are thinking so bad. And like the two spies that brought back a good report, we need to see our problems in comparison to God, not in comparison to us. What's the difference between the two spies and the 10 spies? The two spies saw the enemy in comparison to God, but the 10 spies saw themselves in comparison to the enemy. If you look at God and you look at yourself and you look at your enemies, you realize through God, I can conquer anyone. Rahab could not believe the Israelites did not believe God and possess the land earlier. You know what she said? What took you so long? Even we knew this land belongs to you. I can tell you this, Satan knows the victory belongs to you. So start trusting God. See you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.